Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a fresh new episode of Missing Curfew. I'm Shane O'Brien here at Hall Pass Media with my boy, finally back, the Maui Updog. You got a nice tan going, buddy. Welcome back. I missed you. I'll be honest, fella. I missed you in here. Thanks, buddy. It's good to be back. I miss the boys in here. Max, you're doing a great job back there in the studio. Broadway, pleasure to be back in here. It felt lonely in here, didn't it, Obi? I, I got to be honest. I give Broadway a lot more love, Updog, because me and you, even the drives to LA, um, and we're going to get into the Connolly at 8 p.m. thing today. The drives to LA, even, you know, I kind of enjoyed those with you listening, prepping, getting ready. Um, so Broadway, Jimmy Scoops on the East Coast, we appreciate your hard work from the outside because it's way more fun snapping around with me and the updog in here, especially when we were getting drunk every Tuesday, but we had to tighten that up. Our girls were getting a little choked out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boys, it's always fun snapping around, even though I'm on the East Coast. But uh, were you guys bumping some sick tunes on that ride in all the time? Uh, the, the way up, Obes, was usually just shooting the shit, just yeah. sorting, out, sorting out our week. To talking about our problems yeah. and then uh you know on the way back it was hey we got to pick a sick tune for uh yeah. for this episode and the which description. is yeah which was a big reason why we well we had some bangers and yeah we did have some sick bangers courtesy to you and then the broadway with the hip-hop but broadway for about three weeks straight there we had the sprinter van we had getsy sprinter van and uh, oh. our boy craig manchester who up he wants to get into and the whole discovery thing but we, we, we had to cut costs because we're like, this is, uh, up dogs like, well, this doesn't make sense. So we're spending 300 on a sprint daddy and this on that. I'm like, so, um, up, you just, just, I know you had a great time over there with, with Craig and Jeff Gill. Tell our listeners all about discovery. Yeah. And- yeah it's, uh, McKenna was such an incredible time. Uh, Hawaii, uh, for, for all of the, those of you who, um, haven't been there, what a, what a getaway for, for the winter to break up some months. Um, you know, so so a shout out to Craig uh, and Jeff Gale for for the week we had. Lots of golf, pickleball, uh, the comfort stations, the dinners, uh, laying on the beach with my you know my little baby and Christina. It was just it was epic. So uh, shout out to them, and then you know to the whole Discovery Land properties. Uh, Mike Melman, who was there, got to play some pickleball with him. The Legend, boss. he's the boss. He's the man. He's the man. Um, so the staff, you know, thank you for all the staff. Like we had a crazy Super Bowl party, and we'll get into Fuck. me having to cancel mine because yeah. I stayed there. <laughs> um, but yeah, Discovery Land for for anyone who's never been there, there's there's probably I think they have fifteen or sixteen properties all over the world. Some of the most gorgeous pieces of land all over different countries, and um, you know we've been to a couple in Mexico together. You know, you get the Madison Club in Palm Palm Beach. Gauzer. Um, you got Gauzer Ranch, which is our you know. I'd love to stay home away from home, although we don't own own anything there. But, <laughs> yeah. but we're, we're America's best guest, we aren't are, we? We are America's best guest. And what we did own there was the fucking tree bar. Because Broadway, we'll get you out to Gauzer somehow. <laughs> Our boy Russ Cortnall, 
who's an absolute beauty. I need um, to get there. I'm dying yeah, to get out to that place. And that's place, a good boys. spot. A lot of hockey guys go to Gauzer because, I mean, you golf, the lake's right there, it, and then I guess they take the boat across, get your workouts and skates in, which I don't know how many times the boat would have been going across for me. I'm done back <laughs> in the day. I would have been staying on the lake. But, um, yeah, Craig Manchester, yeah, Jeff shout Gale, out to those you guys, guys are fucking next level fucking G's because, man, just flying all your friends over on private birds and flying them back and letting them stay. I know... I didn't have to touch my wallet much over there, so I appreciate it. And I was banging down skinny margaritas like they're going out of style. <laughs> About 15 a day, Broadway. So, um, Updog, welcome back. Uh, boys, we want to touch on something. To our listeners, um, you know, we apologize for, for last week when, um, you know, our, our podcast came down off, off Spotify and Apple. And listen, we want, to, we want to talk to it. I didn't want to do it with Uppy, you know, in Maui. Um, so, to Kevin Connolly and Action Park Media, first of all, I want to thank them. Cons has been our boy forever, Uppy. Um, you know, he took us to lots of cool parties in Hollywood and, and, you know, took care of nights for us. So it's nothing to do with friendship. Listen, we tried to get a contract done. You know, we, we couldn't get it done. Um, it's no disrespect to Kevin. He's running a business action park media. He's got victory podcast, which I'm repping today. It's a great podcast. If you are like entourage, it's a must listen. He's a busy guy. Right. And we tried to get a deal done. And, uh, I'll be honest with the listeners. When we got our lawyers involved, it just, it didn't work out and it was nothing personal. It's nothing Kevin did to us, but, um, we're trying to build this thing up dog. So um, we apologize for the podcast coming down. Cons, man, we love you. It was nothing personal, buddy. We appreciate you helping us, getting this going. We didn't know you were even going to sit down and talk to us when you did, so that was huge for us. But uh, for our listeners, there's no hard feelings out there, so um, Cons didn't do anything personal. It's just business up, Doug. It totally is, Obi, and well said. Um, still Captain Cons in our book, yeah. right? Like, he's he's the man. He he does have a – he's got a full book of podcasts over there at Action Park Media. He's, uh, he's well-staffed. Um, the studio's great. The drive sucked, Obi, yep. right? The drive, uh, we're trying to build this. We're, we're in our backyard here at Hall Pass Studios now. Um, we have access to some great producers uh, with some great minds on how to bring Missing Curfew to the next level. And that's important to us. Yeah. It's important that we give listeners uh, their daily dose of laughter and some stories and some hockey, uh, whether we fuck all the names up or not. But um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that, Broadway. You know, and, and like you said, it's nothing personal. He's, he's our boy. Um, you know, we're, we're moving forward. We hope that we have, you know, the 25 episodes we did at Action Park. We hope that those always are there for people to listen to because they were so well produced. Uh, we didn't know Kevin was going to speak. Yeah. And the guy is a great hockey mind. He's one of the best sports minds yeah. of all time, even though yeah. he loves the Islanders. No, so he much. loves the Islanders. <laughs> and, and honestly, um, you know, I'm going to tell Cons to listen to this part. So Cons, honestly, bro, I, I've told you over, we love doing it with him when we sat down in the studio and um you know we had some laughs on broadway i know we left you in the dark throughout things because listen me and uppy and and you too broadway we're learning as we go here folks so uh, and i think the key word uppy used is we're just trying to build this thing right and and the drive up he's got a baby girl and and you know well, i'm doing some other stuff so it just made more sense from a business perspective and that's all it's ever been so cons you're always the captain we love you thanks for everything at apm uh and we're at hall pass here and we're just going to keep building this thing so um Let's dive into some some Super Bowl recap, Broadway. We'll start with you on the East Coast. Your boy, TB12, fuck you, he showed me again. I don't know why I bet against the fucking guy, but what were your thoughts? Not the best Super Bowl game ever, but what were, what were your thoughts on it? Well, the, I was shocked when I texted you guys saying, what's the what's tonight's action? And you guys both took Kansas City. And then I just went dark on the text message because I was going Tom Brady the whole time. But I did <laughs> get a little smoked on the over. I thought that game was going over. It was sitting pretty for a while there. 
but even Chris Long predicted it. He said Gronk was going to have a huge game and the Brady-Gronk duo connecting for two touchdowns. I mean, it just looked like they were playing for New England. They just had a different uniform on this year. Wait, did I say I was betting KC on the group text? Yeah, was I just, just still, O'Brien. Just O'Brien. Was I still just I figured you two were in it together. Because I had a future. I had a 500 to win 5K. I put in before the, uh, before the playoffs started. All because of Garbs, our boy at fucking yeah, golf. Grant yeah, with his two boys, quarterbacks. He's like, you got to watch out for a healthy Tampa Bay. And then we have Chris Long on, and sh- fucking sure enough, he's like, boys, Tampa with points, the GOAT. I mean, fuck, it's leading up to be a match, you know, for the ages, yeah. but Tom doesn't fucking fuck. lose these games. The only I, I tried to get inside no. this guy's mind, he can. He's the fucking wall, right? Yeah, and I don't know what the fuck their defense, Tampa Bay's defense did during the week. I don't know if they went to the parties or didn't go to the parties, like Longer said, but fuck, were they humming. Fuck, they took a bunch of those boner gummies. <laughs> they <did. laughs> they must have went to Updog's doctor and got the boner gummies because they were flying, man. And it's just like, <laughs> it goes to show you, I was on the Bucks a little bit, and our boy Mike Chandy, who knows more about football than me, and I'm not blaming Mikey because he's a beauty. He had the Chiefs, and I just thought, late, I was like Patrick Mahomes, you know? But I think Broadway, I think his turf toe fucked him a little bit, and the offensive line, I think, hurt him a bit, eh, Broadway? Yeah, he had, they were saying they had two backups in, and Long said that was going to be a big-time issue. You got, you're moving guys around in positions, and he looked hurt. Like, he was scrambling, but he just didn't look like the Patrick Mahomes. He still made some crazy passes. There was that one in the fourth quarter who's, like, <laughs> horizontal to the ground and hit the guy in the teeth. I don't know how he dropped that one, but... Yeah, Williams. I mean, he, he, did, he did look injured, and, I mean, and Brady, though, in that situation, he's just calm, cool, and collected, baby. I was thinking at the end, if I'm the owner of the KC, of Kansas City, when the game was over and Mahomes is scrambling, give him credit, he's still battling. I'm like, I got 500 million bananas fucking in this guy. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's let them have this one. We'll get him next year because he was just like scrambling in and out. And I mean, the play you're talking about was insane. So I was, up, I was sorry, but struggle. I was actually happy he was scrambling. I needed fucking seven more points for my teaser. Oh, so did I. Oh, the, so t- did the Tampa I. and over 40 fucking whatever. Yeah. I, I just was. But anyway, I did pretty good. My best bet of the day. Fucking Gronky to get the first touchdown, plus 14 hundy, 200 won me 28 hundy right off the bat, Jimmy. I mean, I I was fucking fired up then. Then the drinks started flowing. I was drinking Pacificos. They were just, they were going down like waters. Yeah, so congrats to Tom Brady, man. That fucking guy, it's just, it's insane what he's kept doing. So, Updog, I don't blame you for leaving, but I I just watched on my couch because you didn't have your Super Bowl party, and I was... I was a little tired. My apologies. To I took some heat a tough from, bounce. I took some heat from Rupo and Flowers. They're like, get over here. I'm like, boys. I, I yeah, it's not the same as the Up Dogs. I, I, I would would have had a... to sit on Uppy's couch that's fucking super comfy. And Up Dogs got the new brand new pad. And Loops' house is sick. Don't get me wrong. but I had the, I had the idea for the brats and burgers. And I was going to go fucking full tilt. Yeah. Um, I don't blame you for that. Then I got cut. Yeah, it, it was so hard. And so convenient while you're over in Hawaii just to stay there forever. Yeah, and I Broadway, stay forever. So this, I, I was fucking scared you're going to. I thought the podcast was coming to an end this week. I was like, uh, I thought this was going to be a sign-off show. Uh, Broadway, thanks for your hard work. Up he stayed in Maui uh, selling houses. So, but this beach club that he's talking about, Broadway, like it's 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 exactly what it sounds like. You're right on the beach with TVs, looking at the ocean. I mean, I don't blame you. I wouldn't I wouldn't have left either. So congrats to the to the Buccaneers. Um, and the city of Tampa fucked the Lightning, won the cup. City of Champs. Rays went to the, the fucking city World of Series. <laughs> Mons Venus it's starting must to be take doing over something. from Boston, boys. Mons Venus must be doing something right down there in Tampa. I used to love that spot. So, um, <laughs> let's get into some hockey here, gentlemen. Um, there was a situation up here. I'm going to start with you. Columbus, Carolina game. Video review. I talked about it yesterday a lot on on the power play with my boy Steve Coolis. They got this one wrong. In the NHL. You know what were your thoughts when you saw it? It was just a complete shit show. They got bit by the fucking COVID 
is what is what happened ultimately mm-hmm. because a uh, couple articles I read and I, I listened to your guys' show and you guys did talk talk a lot about it but um they were they were helping a new guy in Nationwide Arena in Columbus a new video uh, off ice referee training him this guy is on the call with the referee who has the headphones on then him and then to the NHL office which is Colin Campbell and uh, Chris Dredd, Chris Draper, not Chris Draper. No, well, Chris King. Chris King. Yeah. So basically, all th- all four of these guys are kind of talking, but the middleman who fucked everything up, the trainee, <laughs> isn't really supposed to say much. He's supposed to relay like the make sure the call is happening. Well, he goes twice. Goal's good. Goal's good. All the referee can hear is goal's good. Goal's good. So he fucking takes the headphones off, lays them down, skates out to center ice, calls a good goal. As the guy, as the referee skating out to center ice Colin Campbell's in his home office going what the fuck is going on pretty much like get the headphones back on the guy yeah due to COVID the people in the penalty box need to wipe down all the headphones they need to before they go back on anyone's head they need to be wiped down so basically they probably could have just went honk gave the headphones (laughs) back (laughs) honk 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 and so you know you look at it and Obi the answer the magic answer is what do you do you know yeah how do you fix it because they fucked it all up they fucked it all up and and you keep going i want to talk about just you know when you call a challenge on a goal and you don't get it the penalty happens right yeah uh so there's a chance it can be either the goal and then another goal on the power play and two goal differential and this is what they found themselves in mm-hmm. basically the nhl is like we've never to set a precedent we've never ever called back a goal once the play started again Correct. Now yeah. they had a chance because there's only a minute and 25 seconds left 15, in the, yeah. to just go fucking sound the sound the alarm. Yeah. Let the boys go <laughs> to the dress. Let the boys go to the dressing room. Take the coaches out. Talk to the coaches. Talk to the GMs during the intermission, and say, "Listen, it, this is what happened. Take the 20 minutes to make up, you know, to, to fix this." Yeah. And they could have went in, and both coaches would have been like, "You know what? Yes, it was offside." Yes, there was a major mishap with the NHL office in this. You know, it was a tie game, 2-2. I'd say you, you send the guys in the room, give them a fucking brat and a beer, and fucking <laughs> the refs come jump. in and say, we fucked up, it's going to be 2-2, and we're going to start this period 21-15 on the clock. You know, may the best team win moving forward. It was shitty, but that's kind of, if there's a time to pull back a goal, it was right there. Yeah. Broadway, what were your thoughts on that whole fucking shit show? Fuck is blabbering on. No, the shit show was exactly what it what it was. It's just something like you said, Uppy. That's the only way I think they could have solved it for both teams was the like you said, going in between periods like they used to do when there's a broken piece of glass with a minute left. You'd go and go back in, resettle, they put the glass on, and then you start the third period or whatever period it was with 21 minutes left on the clock. I just think it's something the NHL had to get right because the season's short and these points are huge and then Columbus goes on to lose by a goal so it's just one of those things that it's a tough break for Columbus and I mean I wouldn't want to be on the other side of that with Tortorella behind the bench yeah that trainee we probably got fucking bitch slapped after that <laughs> poor, poor Columbus is just getting piled on eh? yeah. every week to get piled on and, and Torts I thought yeah, I didn't see his after I didn't see his press conference after the game I guess he handled it pretty good I thought he would have got a little more fired up about it but Broadway, what I thought about it was, I agree with Uppy. You had a minute 15 left. Say, hey, boys, we fucked up. The goal doesn't count. And we're going to play 21-15 of this period, right? Or whatever. Minute 15, blow the horn. Ah, like Uppy said, start the third <laughs> period. So 
it's just so tight in each division nowadays. This let's hope this one point doesn't cost them. Uh, yeah. I think they got bigger things to worry about in Columbus. We'll get into the line. You think Torts has already fucking benched him? <laughs> so, um, unless it doesn't happen all the time, but I think the NHL, it's, you got to get that figured out somehow. I, I think it was they were probably just like, holy fuck, I can't believe this happened. But we're gonna blame COVID on it. Um, Poor, the poor Columbus Blue Jackets, they keep getting... China virus got them keep again. keep getting bent over. But, <laughs> the China virus. <laughs> um, boys, we, we did our power rankings last week, and um, fuck, we're taking some heat from our Missing Curfew listeners, which, by the way, we love. Bring it, keep it coming. Yeah, they're, fuck they're, them. They're, love they're, it. They're fucking... <laughs> you they're, don't like our picks? Come on, what do you got? <laughs> so, Abby, I'll start with you. A lot of them are like, you guys are fucking sleeping. What about Vegas? So, I guess Vegas... Uh, did we leave Vegas off? Are they a top five team? They're, they're yeah, fucking, not one of us did pick, pick Vegas. Yeah, but okay, well, we all picked them before, and they are a fucking horse. So, you know what? We've got six teams then. Yeah. It was or just, seven if you want to throw on the, the fucking crazy bees out in Boston. <laughs> oh, just man, rolling I'm taking some teams. heat in Boston with that one. Um, what about, like, and they, a lot of people were saying about Toronto. You guys don't have Toronto in there. Now, I, I did it the old. I put T.O. on there. Did you? 100%. Okay, yeah, you did. Okay, I, well, I guess I was taking some heat for it, and. I call the North Division the cookie division, Broadway. Everyone's just up there getting their fucking cookies. Nobody's getting COVID because you're not allowed to leave your house in Canada. But I just don't know how good those teams in the North are going to be. I guess I was doing my power ranking more on playoff hockey. I just still in the North, I think if they got to come out and play Boston or Philly or whoever, they're not going to fucking beat them in a, in a seven-game series on Broadway. Uh, I agree. I mean, these teams, I was kind of down on the North, like you said, calling it the cookie division. But those top three teams in the North, uh, what is it, Montreal, Winnipeg, and Toronto, Montreal and Winnipeg are built uh, like playoff teams. They got the toughness, the scoring goals, and they both have two Vezina-winning goalies. So I think these teams eventually could do some damage in the playoffs, but the big thing for me I was taking heat on was having Philly in my power ranking because I ride or die with Gritty and not having the Bruins because the Bruins are – Big time right now. They look legit. The Bruins are rolling. Um, yeah, I just fucking I don't know. Winnipeg, man, I had them not making the playoffs to start the season, but they look they look like a team in the North, like you said, Broadway, that is built for playoff hockey. And now Pierre Luc Dubois is going to make his debut tonight. Their centers are Shifley, Dubois, and Stastny. Oh, I mean, beauty. Stastny. Fuck, that's pretty good center. So um, we apologize. That's why there are fucking power rankings, you fuckers out there, but. Come on, right in. We love it. Yeah, we, we, it. But it is nice. We're addressing like a couple Canadian teams here at least, though. That's exciting for hockey, even if they're just cookie monsters. It's like... It's the cookie division. I mean, there. fuck, who doesn't want to see Matthews scoring Hatties <laughs> fucking in game five of, of the finals if he's just not going to play any D and just continue to snipe? That's the thing. And I said this too, and I want to get your guys' opinion on it. Good point by you up here. I said about the Leafs. Like, okay, Matthews is... We're going to get into his stats here shortly. But is this good for Matthews and Marner and Nylander and... and like, is it helping them get better come playoff time? Are we forgetting that Columbus bitch slapped them out in the return to play? Are we forgetting what Boston did to them every year in the playoffs? Like, do you think this is helping them just going north and south, track meet? Great, it's fun to watch. I took the Leafs last night, but as an ex-fucking veteran guy, Uppy, do you think it's helping them, you know, get to where they need to be for playoff hockey? I think right now they're just rolling with what, what's working. I mean, 9-2 feeling i think they're nine and two i think they're i think they're they're literally hitting like this stride where they haven't really been they haven't led the league you know in statistics for the first quarter of the season before and and been the top dog to beat in shootout even if it's in a shootout like you're saying um it's a confidence thing and if they can if they can go in with confidence uh and then you know i watched freddie anderson make some incredible saves last night against the vancouver canucks to keep them you know in the game till late and then they win the game but um, you know, 
confidence to me in the NHL is a big thing because of the, the ebb and flow and the fucking ups and downs of a season. So, you know, if, if it's a track meet every night, but you feel so good to walk into the rink and you're not getting in those lulls, I mean, that's you, no matter who you play in the playoffs, they're going to play a, a team that feels good. And that's, yeah. that's important. Yeah, bro, I guess I'm like, if you put yourself back in the Bees dressing room right now, they're, they're keeping their eye on the North. Are they like, holy fuck? Are they like, these guys, they, they can score all their goals all year and, and play their first two rounds. And then when we play them, Bergeron and Marchand will shut them down and, and they'll knock them out again. Or what, are, are they worried about the North at all, you think, these guys in the East? Um, I think you got to worry like a team like Toronto, like you just said, Uppy. Confidence is huge, and this is big time for them. They've, like, they've never been in this position, and adding guys like Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons, who are just huge character guys, I think that's going to help the Toronto Maple Leafs. Being, being the top dog, learning how to be the top dog. They've always been the team that's had a good regular season, been in there, then they get blown out by some of these teams like Boston in the playoffs. But with a whole different type of swag and winning, like winning cures everything. And it brings brings a lot of energy, a lot of positive energy to that team. And they're rolling with it right now. But I think if I'm Boston, I'm looking at that North Division just being like, this is Cookie Monster night. Yeah. And we're just going to keep doing we're what we're doing and ride that top fuckers. line and took yeah. ass, baby. Yeah, I agree. And um, one of the things about our fans, our listeners, Updog, we... Probably not so much you, I don't think, but we keep fucking up everyone's name, I guess. <laughs> we keep fucking up the guy we love, Bowen Byram, right? Is that the kid's fucking name? Well, what do we call him? I guess Bowden. I call him Bowden. You call him Bowden. I call him Bowden, I guess. I love him. I got he's him. Good. I got, he's a long shot to win the caller. We should me. remember his fucking name, maybe, because he's good. <laughs> he, people are going to know his name for a long, long time. It's okay if we fuck it up every now yeah, and then so to start off. Bowen Byram, you fuck, you're good. And I guess the one I'm fucking up to is um, Makar. What is Kale it? Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. Like Kale, Kale the Salad. Him Kyle? Like Kale. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I don't like to eat fucking <laughs> Kale, so maybe that's why I don't. So Kale McCarr, Bowen Bo Byram. Sorry, boys. We apologize to our listeners. Way to keep us honest, Uppy, right? But you're, you, hey, you were a back-end guy for the Avalanche. <laughs> I'm sure you could just go in there and show these guys the ropes anytime. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime you want. The way they skate out there now, I'd be fucking. I mean, we talk about penalties all the time in the, you know, on the power play too, but that's, a, that's, that's for a different story. Um, Matthews, boys. Broadway, he was our pick for the... I took him for the Art Ross and the Rocket Richard, but yep. um, he's heating up. There, and, and the talk in Canada, Broadway, is can he get 50 goals in 55 games because he's missed one? And right now, it would appear so. Um, just your thoughts on Matthews and, and how electric he is right now. Uh, he is the definition of electric, and he is bringing Bar Mexico to a whole nother level with that goal he just scored in Vancouver. And I'll give Johnny Hockey some love too. He had a nice little bar trip to Bar Mexico the other night. But Austin Matthews, I don't see why he cannot score 50 goals in 55 games. If he's healthy, the way this kid shoots the puck, the way their offense is revolved around him, He's their go-to guy every single night, and that power play is unbelievable. He's got Marner feeding them pucks. As long as that uh, duo can stay healthy this whole season, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him score more than 50 goals. He just needs one chance with the puck on his stick. It's crazy. But last night, like he got shut down most of the game yeah. against Vancouver. And then there's a fucking face-off play. Like, it's, that's the oldest fucking face-off play in the Yeah, we're, in we're the, the guy, book. didn't the Sedins come up with that? <laughs> the fucking, the yeah. Sedins where they would pop out and one-time it, isn't that, that? That was the old Sedin play. It's, I the, old, I saw it's the old around the world. It's around it's the fucking, fucking around the world. world. And he just pops out, puck goes back down, Marner grabs it on his forehand, feeds him for a one-timer. And, I mean, if the guy... He could fucking be in a phone booth and he's going to fucking get that off. It's a great point by you because I watched the game and fuck, it fucking kills me. I, I, to, I took the Leafs. I hate playing against the Canucks and our board Greener, but I was just like, 
And the whole first two periods, they, they outplayed the Leafs. Matthews didn't look like Matthews. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And I had two to one odds, so I needed it bad. And then finally, Uppy, <laughs> like you said, all he needs is that one little, and boom, it was in the back yeah. of the net. The guy, the, there was a play where uh, I think it was Jay Beagle, but releases Matthews to the defenseman into the slot, and that can't just happen. Yeah. You, no. you, you, you can't, can't let that happen. The scoring threat's not going to be the half wall guy that gets the puck. You have to stay on Matthews one one timer. It's just you know, we'll have uh, missing curfew clips play that with my uh, play by play on that. No, that's a great and, and you know what? It's a great but <laughs> it's a great point by Uppy and Broadway. The, the the goal Ovechkin scored, I think it was this weekend against the the Rangers. That young defenseman Adam Fox. I saw that. And if you're a D man and you're lined up beside Ovechkin, I don't give a fuck if unless we win the draw clean back. And even then, I'm probably telling the net front D to grab it. We'll go short side and get out of here. Because this kid left Ovi, and Ovi took two sides of the middle and snapped it fucking top titty. Like, those are the things with these elite players that you just can't do Broadway. Yeah, exactly. When we were in Boston, especially uh, when I played in Boston on the power play, our, that defenseman who had to be in that shooting lane, God bless him, because that was the shittiest spot in the world <laughs> to be. But we would literally have to revolve around him. You'd be two feet away from him just to be in that shot lane, and then the forward have to slide down and take away the lanes. But you can't give these elite goal scorers any more space than they already need because it's going to end up a back in net that quick. Exactly. And maybe we might have to do like a missing curfew details like they do on ESPN where they do like the highlight. We'll break everything down, boys. Eh? Like, <laughs> this, is where, this is where we're going, man. We're going to we'll fucking, fucking break it down. bring it and bring the heat. Um, uh, Updog or Broadway, sorry, the bees you, you brought on. Passionate comes back to line up. Uh, Bergeron, Marchant looking unbelievable. Listen, we were worried early Broadway with their five on five scoring. You put the whole organization on the milk carton, which I thought was fucking great. But... <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're coming along. Is, is Pasternak just that important offensively in Sparkham, or they're just a veteran team and they needed some time to get their feet going? Well, putting them on the milk carton was probably the best thing I did for them because they've just been absolutely electric ever since. But he, oh, Pasternak is like that type of Ovechkin player where he is dangerous at all times. He adds a whole other element. And then when you put him on a line with Bergeron and Marshan, that's got to be the best line in hockey right now. So now you got to worry about three guys instead of just worrying about two. So him adding that element to the offense has been huge for them. And then I was questioning, could they keep up this pace at scoring? Do they need that defenseman losing Tory Krug? But Charlie McAvoy has been unbelievable. He's been a great player for them. He plays big minutes, and he sure is leading the charge in the back end. And then they have Tuka Rask, and Tuka Rask has been lights out. He takes so much heat here in Boston, and I cannot understand why he does because he's unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know why it takes either. Besides, maybe he left the bubble last year, but that was for family things. Ups, I mean, what do you think of this veteran yeah. Blues team? Uh, Jimmy, I think you just hit it right right on the button. They have had Charlie to step up. Obviously, if you're getting rid of Tori Krug and, and Chara's moving on, letting the kids play, uh, you need some guys to step up. And then my, my whole experience, and this is, this is my reason, but experience in winning and going the distance you know, it, I said it about Dallas because I didn't think Dallas would be able to bring, you know, come back and play just as good as they did last year with that long cup run. But you, you get that taste of winning and that like that that confidence and the feeling in the room. And no matter who's on the ice, you know, if you're missing a guy, you're just going to go out and you're going to find ways to win games. Pasternak, though, hats off to the way he's bounced back from injury. You know, the hip, uh, the hip impingements or the hip injuries. You know, he dealt with something bad last year. He's back as good as new. These guys, the, these, the hips they, don't lie. Do the they hips don't lie. The hips don't lie, Broadway. 
How about Boston, too, in the third period? They're just pounding teams. They could be down two goals, down three goals. They've come back in every situation this year. So they're just a dangerous team no matter at what point of the game. They're just coming out flying, and they're being the best team right now. I can't believe I left them off my power ranking, but they are fucking right now. They're doing some fucking – they're going five forwards in the power play, too, which is fucking – I mean, if you got that much skill, why wouldn't you? I'm going to give some. I would have had a chance to play yeah, on the power play. If fuck I was up. Back you would have been on the second unit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give some love to, to my boy, Nick Ritchie, who I played with in San Diego, who in Anaheim had some tough love from Bob Murray. He's playing great for them there, being physical. Um, the Dallas Stars up the other night. I took the Stars against the Blackhawks. And Anton, Anton Kudobin, Dobzy, the mad Russian, I'm not fucking leaving, <laughs> got suspended for disciplinary reasons. Yeah. So I don't know what the fucking mad Russian was doing out there. I know Dallas is open, so he was probably <laughs> out drinking some vodka. And then <laughs> I'm watching the game. It's one nothing. Dallas scores late. And then three on three. And fucking Broadway's boy, Patty Kane, throws a little sauce pass to that. What's the young kid's name? It starts with a D on their team. Debrinkit. Debrinkit. And he just Debrinkit, tipped, yeah. He tips her top cheese. So the stars, they do look good, but. Dobes, if you're stay out of the bars, buddy. Yeah. Fuck, he hey, showed you. up late for practice. Is that what he did? Yeah, that Bo- can happen Bones, to anyone. But, but Bone said, you know, it's over. It was yesterday's news. He took his his scratch and and moved on. So he was late for practice. Late for practice. So but I it was on a Saturday morning. So that's Friday. a tough bounce. <laughs> Friday night in the Big D. Dobes, it can happen to anyone. I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have doubted you because it could happen to anyone. But um, Broadway, we got to talk about your your Flyers, Kevin Hayes and the boys. Uh, I had JVR on yesterday on the power play. The guy's off to a fucking phenomenal start. And I'll be honest, I was worried about him. I thought his foot speed. Me too. Kudos, yeah, kudos to him. He's changed his training. He's he's having an unbelievable year. I know you've been betting the Flyers like I have, and they've been fucking me every time I bet them they lose. But what are your thoughts on them? Is their inconsistency scaring you a little bit, or is it just that they're in the East Division and, and night in, night out, it's a fucking playoff-style game? I, I think their biggest issue right now is their defensive play. They're, they're giving up. I think... They gotta be in the top five of the league for shots against. They're hanging this Carter hot out to dry, and when a goalie's struggling, you gotta buckle down defensively. And they're just not doing that right now. I think they turn too many pucks over, but the, they are ruining a lot of my parlay cafes. I'll tell you that because I've been <laughs> hammering the them and losing four straight four straight to the Boston Bruins has not been good for me and the bookie. But I do think the Flyers can figure it out because when it's a defensive issue, I think it's structure. And they, I mean, like any team, they probably need to go out and get another defenseman. I think a lot of those high-end teams want one of those big-time defensemen. I just don't know who out there is available. Yeah, they're lucky they got they got good offense and a, and a crazy, crazy sky-high percentage, uh, shooting percentage. Oh, it's which, insane. Which will, which, will, which will win you some games, but... When you do have a good goalie like Carter Hart, like he was supposed to be a Vesna candidate this year well, yeah. on a team that was supposed to be, you know, badass and and be top in the in the division. So, I yeah, I mean, I think I think they're going to be there, Broadway. My my thing I want to ask you, Broadway, because I think you probably pay a little closer attention. I think they need. Do they have enough offense from their back end? You see teams nowadays, fuck every D's jumping in. Like I just look at their back end. I think it's solid, but. Besides Provenoff, who else is really going to fucking... <laughs> Pro- is that his name? I think you fucked that up, too. What's, That's his, so what's his name? Provorov. Provorov? Did I Provenoff, fuck that up? isn't it? Provenoff, yeah, the Provorov. Not, there's no N. Provorov. Provorov. Okay, whatever. Yeah. The fucking Russian <laughs> so guy that can fucking snap it around. But I'm like Don Sherry back in the day. I fuck up, I fuck up every Russian's name. But do you think they have enough offense, Broadway, from the back end? From the back end, I do not. They have guys like Gothaspear and Gustafsson, but... 
I just don't think those two guys can get it done. But there is a guy out there by the name of Keith Yandel who might be available, who I think the Ooh. Flyers should go out and try to add. He might not be that shutdown offense when you're looking for it, but he is going to answer a lot of your questions offensively when it comes to that power play. Jimmy Scoops fucking writes, that's a great guy for Philly, right? They have enough. They got the Myers kid who plays fucking old school defense. Yans would slide in nice there. That's the offensive guy that they could use, Jimmy Scoop. Yeah, so maybe you should work the phones. It'd be easy to slide him into that leadership role yeah. too, with with obviously oh, yeah. little yeah. Broadway there. Yeah, right. it would be that would be the perfect fit for a guy in Philly. So maybe that hopefully that comes true. So we can say we fucking you heard it here first. But I know um, my the, brother would be the happiest guy in the world if that guy gets there. Yeah. So we we asked JVR who's the best chirper on that Flyers team, and he said that Scott Lawton kid. He said that kid chirps nonstop. Is that what your bro says? My brother says that kid is electric when it comes to chirping, but the other guy he added was that Konechny. And I was actually playing video games with those guys the other night, and man, <laughs> I, I was laughing my ass off for two straight playing? hours with this Konechny. He's just, he's on fire the entire time. What were you guys time. playing? Hey, that Konechny. Call of Duty, game. baby. Call of Duty? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. You got, you Trip guys to the get, gulag. You guys should get Patrick Liney involved, maybe. That guy's... That guy loves his video games too, doesn't he? Are you he might, good get, at us, Call he of might Duty? get us a Warzone victory. <laughs> Are you good at Call of Duty? No, I suck. I'm the team medic. So anybody that's listening to this is that plays Call of Duty, they'll appreciate the team medic. I, I usually get zero kills, but I revive the shit out of guys. Locker room oh, guy. You're a fucking team guy. Hey, tell that connect, <laughs> tell that connect I love his game. And actually, well, we'll give a shout out to Flowers because today's his birthday. Flowers, when he first saw, happy birthday, happy Flowers, birthday, 42 flowers. year old. Fuck. Happy birthday. Um, when he first came to the league, he's like, he reminds me of a right-handed Scotty Upshaw. So I was like, I kept my eye on him for, Same that, number. Reason, for that reason. Actually, but no, he doesn't wear nine. He's 11. He? I do like his game. Proveroff wears nine. Yeah, Sorry, Rose. that's okay. I do love. I do love his game, and so he seems like a good kid. But tell him we say he fucks here. I'm missing curfew. Um, Updog, fucking the grade eight Ovi man. He just passed Mike Gartner. Remember old Mike Gartner Climbing. style with the fucking welding shield and the CCM taxi used to wear. <laughs> sure um, next on the list is fucking Phil Esposito, and I got to know Phil in Tampa. He was our color guy. Radio color guy. But anyways, he'd come on the bird. He'd wear the fucking loafers like you were last week with the no socks. And, and I'd always go up and him and Chief, who was a backup goalie for the Broad Street Boys, they would have stories. I'd always go up as a kid. But Ovi, man, can he do it up, dog? Can he pass a great one? Can he stay healthy? What do you think of his game? I mean, he's lighting up again. He's starting to score every night. I mean, since I've been, since I've been a professional OBS, this kid has been something electric for hockey, for young kids, for the NHL. He is just a scoring machine and hasn't stopped in fucking 15 years. So, I mean, he's what, 35? 35. I think in, in five years, he'll be 40 on average. I think we did the calculation before Does this. He, he needs to score around 37 goals a year. Is that what it is? To catch the Wow. Goal. That's a lot of goals. That's a lot of fucking. I, For five years, 37. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. fuck, he's pumping in 40 a year. It's like it's, it can I, happen. Yeah, and bro, yeah, up, yeah, I agree. And my point before we turn over to Broadway is with so many power plays, I think he has a chance, and this guy, he, he celebrates like he scores, as, like every time he scores, like it's his first fucking goal. So I guess what I'm saying, up dog, is he still has the passion to play. He wants to play. I think if, if he just stays healthy and he has all his whole career, that he can just rip those one-timers from the OV spot. And I hope he doesn't beat the great one, though. Fuck, do you? I know. No, you're right. I think that, that spot should be held by the great one, but he should get damn close. Yeah. And if he can fucking, if he's healthy enough to tie up his skates, and pour a nice little vodka tonic. <laughs> he was he will play hockey, and he will play in the NHL. And any team would have him if, yeah. if Washington. If it doesn't work out like the Sedano Chara stuff in Boston, and he's been there forever as the captain, 
He's going to go somewhere else. South fucking Florida. just start scoring goals. South, South Florida, Florida it is. South Florida. Hey, make, all the other Russians. Make just, room. Yeah. They got Bob. Yeah, they got all the boys <laughs> down there. Um, so, you know, it's exciting for hockey, though, man. This guy's been, like I said, electric forever. It's crazy. And the right-handed one-timer spot, that's a goal-scoring spot. Always has been in the NHL, and he has worked it better than anyone. So he's climbing the ranks. Heads up, guys. He's going to be coming after you, Holly, soon. And, you know, Phil it's, Esposito's it's next on his yeah. list. Broadway, what are your thoughts on the fucking grade eight? Um, I think you guys said it pretty well right there, but I, I truly believe that he is the best goal scorer the NHL has ever seen. And I think uh, after hearing those comments that uh, Gretzky said about Dreisaitl and McDavid, how like it was hard for Gretzky to score, even though he leads the NHL in goals, I just think this guy, goal scoring is what he does, and he's done it his whole entire career. Scoring 37 goals a year for the next five years, that's going to be a lot of goals. But if there's someone that can do it, I think it's going to be him. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's like I said, he stayed healthy. Uh, I remember fucking playing against Ovi, and when you're that weak side D, and he cuts across to the Ovi one-timer, and you're supposed oh. to come across and get in that lane. I'll be honest, boys. Before the game, let's say it was Pekka Rene, I'd be like, Pex, i got to be honest with you. I'm not getting in that lane. So listen, I'm going to take away <laughs> the far side of the net. So you just chee over, and you got everything on the strong side because I'm not blocking it. And I'm, I'm not blocking it because I, I don't know where it's going. Maybe it's a yeah. pussy move, but I told my goalies, listen, when they slide Ovi, I'm going to hold where I am and take away the far side of the net. If it accidentally hits me, I blocked it, but I'm not racing out there, Uppy. I don't know. Maybe I was a pussy, but <laughs> no, when Jimmy, he ripped that fucking thing, it was, it was scary. Jimmy talked about it. It's, it. That's the one thing you have to cheat on all the time. And if you cheat good enough on it, he won't get the shot off. He won't even try it. Yeah. But if you don't, it's coming at you like fucking full and full yeah, and he would just wind we all know he winds up and the pucks roll and i used to just say to like the pk coach before he played ovi like can we not just have like say uppy for example can you not just stand beside ovi that's the play yeah. just stand there with him and we'll put we'll play the rest of it down here fucking four on three or whatever you know what i mean like just stay in his hip pocket broadway yeah but the only issue with that is you'll have backstrom on the half ball throwing a sauce yeah. in oshi and oshi can put it fucking bar mexico as well so yeah, there's a lot true. of moving parts on that power play i mean i guess i just assumed they were going to score the way so if i didn't have to hit the, <laughs> if i didn't have to get hit in the face with Ovi clapper i was like fuck it um Ovi, keep going you're good for the game buddy old veteran mm -hmm. beauty um fellas our fucking old tendy i had him for two years in vancouver you boys had him in florida old bobby lou bobby lou is the scout for the Team Canada Olympic team for the Central Division. So Lou's been doing some stuff with the Panthers. Um, I don't know. I just when I when I heard of Lou as a scout, I, I just remember him. The only thing he'd ever tell me about my game is Obi, get the fuck out of the way. I can't see the fucking puck. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know, Lou. I'm trying to block it, I guess. But um, great teammate, great sense of humor, great on Twitter. Uh, what, what were your thoughts when you saw Lou is going to be scouting for your boy Armstrong? I think it's a smart play on on everyone's. Uh... On everyone's plate. I mean, Army's methodical, and this is why I think Armstrong's such a great GM, is because he's never been afraid to bring in people that have great hockey minds around him. He, he's not worried that they're going to come take his job. He just appreciates what they bring to the table. And in this case, you know, he's bringing in a guy that's been through, you know, three Olympics. Yep. He's been in Stanley Cup finals. Yep. Um, you know, one of Canada's most glorified goaltenders, you know, Obi, you play with him in Vancouver. I love the way he he worked. Yep. He was always first on the ice in practice, even if he was tired and sore. He'd be working with Robbie Tallis in in Florida. Um, you know, just it's it's awesome for him. I love watching older guys move into really cool, you know, jobs that the hog the, the sport of hockey have. And to me, as a Canadian, I don't think there's 
anything more glorified as a Canadian hockey player where you can step in and be part of the Olympic team, go to the Olympics as a, you know, as a management or as a scout, um, you know, good job, Army, Lou. Yeah. Close the five hole, baby. <laughs> yeah. even, even as a scout, you got to keep that five hole yeah, close. Close the five hole. What, what, Broadway, what were your thoughts on Bobby Lou being the scout? Um, I was laughing at his comments when he first said he thought he was getting a phone call to scout some peewee team. So that, that Bobby Lewis <laughs> never lost his sense of humor. But like you said, you bring in a great hockey mind, a guy that's been around the game for a very long time. He's had tons of success, and he's a future Hall of Famer. Just having that type of mind and that type of presence around a team that's going to have a lot of stars, I think it's a no-brainer for Army to bring him in for Team Canada. I agree. Um, and if a poker game breaks out throughout the Olympics, fucking Bobby Lee will sit right in there because he's a fucking, <laughs> oh, yeah. he's a good poker player. But he's like all like no risk. He just plays her by the book. Like, and then we had a guy like Dorsey Hardachuk on the other. Side. <laughs> it was. Um, I just want to touch on Louis' sense of humor, Broadway. That you said he had a tweet after Brady won the Super Bowl. He's like, "Wow, Tom Brady just won his seventh uh, Super Bowl at 42, and I can't even bend over and put my socks on." So I was <laughs> like, oh, "Fuck, Lou, I'm in the same boat as you." But congrats to Bobby Lou. Um, we'll love to. We'll get him on here someday. Hopefully, he'll come on. But uh, I think it's a good, like you said, up. He was just consistency, his work ethic. I think he deserves to be part of Team Canada. He won a gold medal. Um, so, Louis, congratulations. We're happy for you. Um, we're gonna finish off here with the Calder. Who's impressed you? We looked at their stats before up dog, and ah, fuck, they're not. No one's really lighting it up too too much. I think my boy Tim Stutzel's coming. And I'm going to give some love to Hog Hoaglander in Vancouver. This kid's undersized. He fucked Broadway. He took a puck in the face last night in Toronto. Came back. Um, so those two guys, for me, I've impressed. And I still think Stutzel's going to going to find a way to win the caller. Who have you liked so far up here? Or who's impressed you? I know there's some disappointment um, in my voice and in my, in my bookie account. When I, <laughs> when I have Lafreniere winning the caller. So. Oh, <laughs> fuck, he's on the milk carton Just again. Just because he... <laughs> Is it the World Junior thing? I mean, man, maybe because all these kids that you know played in World Juniors, just the Stutzels or uh, Bowen, you know, Bowen they, they, they they gained a level of confidence and they got to pick up their, they got to pick up their game right yeah, off the bat. Playing. It's a head start. Yeah. Um, so I think that that was a I think that was a mistake on on the Rangers' part. I'd say that to anyone, but um, you know, like you said, I, I like the kid in I like the kid in Minnesota, Kaprizov. Yeah, Minnesota's. You know, they they had a hot start due to him, but he's got eight even uh, even strength points. That to me in the new NHL is is a stat that's worth worthwhile watching with all the power plays now. Um, but like, you know, Stutzel, I know he's your boy, yeah. but that Ottawa team just stinks. They, they stink. They are bad, and he's. I mean, he's stink. minus eight. He's <laughs> minus eight. Fucking stink, boys. And and when you're in that environment to start off, when you're young, Fuck. like it sucks. I know he's got Brady to chuck there, third, you know, second or third year guy. I don't know. I think he's third year. Um, it's just these. It's kind of a cancerous situation when you're when you're stuck losing games and living in Ottawa. It's bad. <laughs> living in Ottawa. And living in Ottawa. No, I'll be, I I agree, buddy. I think. The worst is over for Ottawa. I think they're listen. They're they're still going to lose more than they win, but I think, I think the they toughest, can't get anywhere. They they're get starting any worse. to hang around in games. They're starting to hang sure. around, which I thought they were going to do. But I'm, I'm with you, buddy. Like, and I think with Lafreniere and is that how you say his name? <laughs> in Lafreniere, Lafreniere. You Lafreniere. Got it right. yeah, Lafreniere. Yeah. I think the Rangers got off to a shitty start. You know, I was one of the teams I was curious. Broadway was, you know, the Rangers. Are they going to take the next step? Now they're starting to play a little better hockey. They lost the Islanders last night, but. I think that affects young kids when the team's struggling and you can't score goals. Like for him to have one point is, I mean, it's unbelievable. I thought, you know, I thought he was going to come in and dominate right away. Like not like Sid and Connor, but close to that. And then he just hasn't done it Broadway. 
Yeah, no, he hasn't done much. Like, uh, but I was kind of surprised, like with his uh, point production as well, because that's a team that had some firepower up front in the Rangers with um, Panarin and Zabinijad. But like, they're starting to find their groove. So who knows? Maybe he finds his groove as well. But the kid that uh, that I like a lot right now is a kid across the river. Is that Ty Smith playing yeah. for uh, New Jersey? He's got two goals, six assists, eight points. I think it's second in the rookie scoring. Yeah. But he's a guy that I've been watching. He can skate. He runs a power play. He's got all the tools to be a high, high name or high, high, high end player with the name that you won't forget about here coming in this league. I agree. And the young guys, they're, they're playing well. So no one's really taken away from it. The calls are still up for grabs. So we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. Uppy, I know you got Bowen Byram as a, you took him yeah, in there. Yeah, long shot. Long shot. So fuck, if he can keep snapping around. Uh, boys, we got a great guest coming on. Perfect timing. We got the big urn, Brian McGratton. And last night, I'm going to get his thoughts. Did you guys see Gabranson and the Cassian fight? There was a few fights last night in the NHL, finally. But that was a spirit about up, dog. Sure was. Uh, two heavyweights, man. Yeah. Two guys I know well. Um, Two guys you want to have on your team for that reason right there. Not only can they play and they both had great careers, but, you know, Cassian's tough and knows when to fight. And he's around that, you know, he plays on that line to protect a few certain guys on his team. Yeah. And he does a great job of it. No one messes around. But Gabranson is, you know, he's been a, a stay-at-home defenseman. Probably not, um, has not had the career that he's probably wanted being, a you know, a top three pick. But, um, you know, we play with him in Florida, boys. Uh, he knows how to throw, yeah. and those guys threw some haymakers. But I want to touch on the Jamie Ben fight. I thought that was badass. That was oh, awesome. I mean, that guy is an absolute beast. Yeah, and throwing just left haymakers. Yeah, yeah. Who did he? Zer Zardoff. Zardoff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking rushing. Oh, but it was great. <laughs> lefties. Hey, lefties. lefties. Right. Jackhammers from the fucking ice. That's like, a Western leaguer right yeah. there. I, I mean, I, I said the same thing uh, this week too about. Jamie Ben, good on him. And, and you know what? His brother, Jordy Ben, yeah, fucking fought scrub. Wayne Simmons. And that's, you know, listen, we've all fought up in our weight class, like, except for the guy we got coming on because he was the fucking king. Well, even him with Bugart. But when he did that, I just, you just see this fighting Broadway, it's got to make you feel good that there's still that passion, even without the fans in the building. Oh, yeah. Jamie Ben had a great quote, too. Somebody asked him, like, why, what happened with that fight? He was like, I don't know. There's hockey and fighting, and there's always should be hockey and fighting in the game. So just to see his passion and just trying to get his team going, it's just something that you, that's why he's such a great leader and a great captain. But the one fight that I wanted to touch on last night was, uh, did you guys see that Luke Shen and this kid, uh, Olivier? He, Olivier is a young kid from Nashville. I played against him in Milwaukee. And he is really, really tough. Like, you should see this kid. He's holding his fist up like a boxer, just taking punches and then just feeding punches. Like, he's a kid that you might see around this league for a while just because he brings that toughness that a lot of teams don't have. Yeah, I, I did see Stammer the Hammer fucking shut his gloves great. last night, too. <laughs> Throw first, yeah, ask yeah, questions first. later. Um, so, listen, we got to get to our guest. This is what we're going to talk to the bigger and about because that was a guy who, you, as he used to say, I'm just going to sit in the pocket, big boy. Sit in the pocket. So we got Brian McGratton coming up next. The Big Earn. Three, two, one. Uh, Updog, Broadway. Uh, we got an absolute legend. One of my favorite teammates. Uh, we played together on the back end of our careers, but uh, Brian, Big Earn, McGrath, That's Big That's probably Earn. a good thing. I, I know, buddy. I know. I just remember some days I'd come into the rink in San Diego and you'd be like, how you doing, big boy? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I gotta be honest, sir. I'm not doing that well, but yeah. big boy, where are we? <laughs> we we went from fucking flying on the private bird in Calgary playing cards to sitting in the back of the fucking iron lung, didn't we? 
Oh, and then when that iron lung, I sent you that pic when that iron lung broke down on the highway there on the number five in rush hour traffic. Boys, the Uber or the Uber Eats are showing up to the side of the broken down lung. And then we had to wait like an hour and a half for the new one that was stuck in traffic. I then it took whatever, how long to get to where we were playing, and we just got rinsed. Like, there's no point of even going to play the fucking game. <laughs> no, we were we were going from San Diego to fucking San Jose, and she broke down about Bakersfield in the middle of fucking nowhere. And my back is already in one, Ern. I'm like, fuck, Ern, I got to get off this lung. So we're standing on the side of the fucking five highway. And I'm just looking at the bigger going, what in the fuck is going on here? But like a um, year ago, we were flying on the on the PJ, you know, <laughs> hey, and then all of a sudden me and the big obes are on the side of the number five <laughs> down iron lung, just looking at each other like, where has my career gone? <laughs> what happened? We were, we were getting a little more ice time in San Diego than we did in Cowtown, but fuck, we weren't, we weren't enjoying <laughs> the fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Ern, I just remember fucking... About the second period with that fucking pigeon Hartley, I would just be look look at you. We just take the fucking chin straps off, and we're like, "Well, oh yeah, <laughs> just the the grocery sticks." Just look at each other. Oh god. Hey, bigger. I want to ask you for our listeners. I never asked you this when I played with you. How did you get the fucking nickname, the bigger? Was it from the Kingpin or anything, or how did it come about? Yeah, it was from Kingpin. So when it was my first year first year in binghamton we were that's back when you know you had six cases of beer on the bus for a two-hour trip we were all piled up i think we were going to it wasn't a far trip i think we were going to wilkes but not a far one and we threw on kingpin on the way back after the game and when big Ern mccracken came up and threw <laughs> up the, the bowling ball with the flower and all the boys were like bigger <laughs> so yeah it just kind of stuck from there Bigger and let's talk about that fucking year in bingo. I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, you I, had, I got it right here, Obes. I was you gonna got, ask okay, him Broadway, about you that. go. You ask him, Broadway. I've never him. played in the minors, though. Eh? <laughs> no, I, I did. Are you around. fucking nuts? No, I was on that iron lung, but it was only fucking Milwaukee, Chicago back. Yeah, you, you played know? on the good side. I, I you was. weren't over with the muck on the east. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to ask you, Bigger. And I, that 2004, 2005 year you had 551 penalty minutes i don't think i had 551 penalty minutes with my college and nhl careers combined i just want to know what was going on in the league then who were you fighting and how many fighting majors did you have that year i think i had 43 <laughs> or i think i had 43 Who's counting uh, majors after i actually 25. had 42 fights i speared eric goddard in the throat so that was my 43rd uh major um but yeah, that year, you know, coming in, uh, it was that lockout season and just the reputation that the Ottawa Senators had, you know, always getting the shit kicked out of them by the Leafs and being a soft team and all that stuff. I figure if I was like super crazy that year, that they would have no choice but to take me on their team after the lockout <laughs> ended. I mean, I kind of took it to a ne another level. Like, I mean, <laughs> 550 uh, uh, minutes. That's like a fight every other night. Yeah, just the amount of and, and the thing on the, the the differences between the conferences back then on the West, it was kind of more the IHL style type system where you had a lot of older guys, better cities, all that stuff. But on the East, it was crazy. Like, I mean, my rookie year, I was the lightweight. We had Dennis Bombi and Wade Brookbank were the two kind of heavyweights that fought everybody. And I was still getting the shit kicked out of them because I didn't really know how to fight. I, I came out of junior 
you know, we fight a little bit in junior, but nothing compared to what the pro level's like. And it took me a couple of years to kind of figure out, you know, if that was going to be a role for me. And then that lockout season hit and I just kind of, and I went on a bit of a terror, but the, the game back then you had legit three or four heavyweights per team. Like the fourth line was in a checking line was all the mutants. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, you roll into to Albany, that Rob Skurlock, Brett Cloutier, Cam Jansen, you know, Hartford had <laughs> Richard Scott, Garrett Burnett. Uh, like you, you can just go down the list of heavyweights per team on that Eastern side. And I think I got so like, I got my, my fighting was really good because of that. I, I always thought the guys in the minors at that time, were tougher than the guys in the nhl they just couldn't play as well yeah like so the guys that i were i was fighting i i would consider them just as tough or tougher than nhl fighters and i think that's kind of what kicked off my start into the nhl why i did so well as a rookie against a lot of those nhl heavyweights and then obi i want to jump in but you didn't have hockeyfights.com you couldn't like study any of these fighters you just seen them firsthand when you step on the ice like you'd see three or four fights a night so you're like okay this is yeah this is how this guy's gonna come out like we didn't have like you said the the internet you know for viewing all that stuff was kind of maybe just starting at that time there was no video you know it was vhs tapes and all that (laughs) stuff right so I mean, you fight a guy, and I think you learn by by getting shit kicked out of you that you're going to do the next time and not do it. That's how I learned. (laughs) Well, yeah, Bigger, and that's what I wanted to talk. Like, so Bigger, and he he had fucking you had third year last year in the all right, and you hurt your knee. Did you get 30 or 29 or something like that? 20 20 and 30 games. Yeah, something something uh, like that. So I tore my uh, tore my ACL and missed almost the whole season. Yeah. yeah, I was I was in the league then. The big earn was high stepping around with Spez. I think it was just. <laughs> yeah, anyways, yeah. Anyways. I would sit on the power play. Spez would decode four guys and hit me in the back door. <laughs> <laughs> but you touched on it a bit, and the thing the thing that I listen, I was before I met you, I would thought you were the scariest fuck. When I met you, I still thought you were scary. But the mindset you had when you fought, you just said fuck it, I'm going in there. Granted, you were good at it. like how long did it take you? To get that or you just said fuck it from the start i'm gonna go in there and like you say sit in the pocket big boy yeah that was kind of <laughs> always my style um just to throw them um i always hated guys that would hug and all that stuff i really felt you know we got to give the fans some entertainment value for their money and two guys are gonna fight they want to see you go toe to toe and um you know, it, it it was really good, <laughs> and it was really <laughs> shitty sometimes. Like I've gotten buckled a couple times, but I mean that's the that's the way that that position goes. And I always, you know, even though I was always a top guy, I never ever bragged about it or carried myself that way. I was never super cocky about it because I always knew like that day is going to come that you're going to get your ass kicked. And, you know, if you're carrying that other stuff, but like the cocky stuff, I'm the best, I'll kill anybody, all that stuff, you know, you just look like an idiot. So, you know, every time I've always lost, I've been very humble about it. I've always congratulated the guy that's beat me, and then I try and kill him the next time I fucking fought him. <laughs> that's true. And, Ern, the thing I loved, I don't know when you started doing this, but remember when you'd square off, which you typically did in every one of your fights, and you just put the hands on the knees? Hey, you just come out with the oh, hands yeah. on the knees, oh, and I was yeah, like, yeah. When did you start? Was that, that just a reaction? I kind of myself up and kind of 
kind of pick an angle and the kind of angle I wanted to go on and I'd take a couple of deep breaths because, you know, a lot of fighting and if you really want to get good at it and have long fights, your breathing is the most important part, right? So when I was kind of squaring off, I'd bend down, I'd kind of pick a line that I'd want to go in and really start to control my breathing because, you know, if a guy gets an early start on me, that's fine because I know that I'm going to outlast him a minute or a minute and a half in. I'll lay the boots to him, and that's usually what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen that happen on your, on your behalf many a times. Yeah. Wild. Broadway, what do you got? Um, I was just going to ask you about uh, – I know Oppie was going to touch on it too, but uh, with your role now with Calgary, um, how do you go about like pushing a kid to step out of his comfort zone? Because I know like I wish I did it more. Are you giving these kids advice and tips on how to expand their games? Like I remember one time that like, you spoke about Dennis Bonvey. He came down to Rockford, and he didn't tell me like the fight. He just wanted me to add it to my game, add a little bit of confidence, and I go out there and get into a fight. Then two weeks later, I'm called up, and it's just something I wish I did more throughout my career because who knows? I know fighting's mostly out of the game now, but there's always going to be a place for it, and it might be yeah, still fighting yeah, if they- I fought more. Even though the, that that role is gone from the game, the fighting still it still happens, right? So, you know, I got guys on kind of each level of our organization, whether it's junior guys or guys in the minors or guys here that always want to let me show them tips on, on what they can do, what they can get better at, maybe even how to protect themselves and where to grab if they get jumped and stuff like that. I With the NHL team, it's kind of tough for me to jump on the ice with guys and do that here. You know, you get the media stuff and all that. Like, if I jump on the ice, I'm showing this guy how to fight, you know, where that's going to go, especially, you know. But when I'm down in the minors, it's cool. Like, we got some... Some kids down there that like, you know, we we got this Martin Pospisil kid. He's he's a Slovakian kid, but he's a throwback player. He plays super mean and tough. Um, so you know, showing him some things last year. We have um, Alex Gallant, who is one of our real good veteran leaders down there. He, you know, his whole family can throw tough him, but it's nice to, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it's nice to get on there and just show a guy, and I can teach him how to fight a big guy him being a smaller guy um and then with some of our guys that come out of junior and college that have never been in a fight before just to kind of show them certain uh, protection techniques and stuff just so they can have the confidence out there knowing that they can play any way uh and not have to worry about it and you don't necessarily have to go out and pound a guy but if something happens because the american league i think will always be the american league there's always a lot of tough guys down there and tougher players down there and it always has that different bit of an edge uh then the nhl games tend to get out of hand down there still um <laughs> so it's good for our younger guys to, to have confidence going in those games knowing if anything happens they'll be okay grats um i know you were fucking tough as hell when you played but what you've done since you've retired and the latter half of your career when you kind of you you battled some you know mental health substance stuff uh i think your toughness that you've shown in this mission uh post hockey to help younger kids and and when jimmy just brought that up i wanted to ask you like a lot of our listeners probably don't know the role that you have um, yeah. in in the nhl because it's a new role uh, a role that i think calgary brought to you and said look we want you to be uh ears and eyes in our dressing room on a daily basis with our younger kids and our and our older guys who might not have you know the the balls or the confidence to come and talk about whatever's going on in their lives that bothers them whether it's you know family issues or substance issues or uh you know things going on in their lives that they just they don't have an out to talk to and and it was impossible for us to talk to a coach when we were when we were kids oh, yeah. or, or, or even part. or grats even yeah. like the captain of the team like you felt like 
fuck, I'm 22 years old. If I'm telling this guy that I'm, you know, that I have a gambling problem and you know, I lost a bunch of my money fucking gambling, like he's gonna tell on me or, and he's not gonna maybe fix my problem. But, but there's so many issues that, you know, athletes and young, young adults and, you know, people that play a contact sport dealing with head injuries and stuff. Um, so much gets, you know, brought to light and can come crashing down on, on guys. And uh, your role with Calgary, I think if you can just kind of touch on it, like it's really, really cool. And, and Jordan Tutu, I, you know, my best friend, he went through so much at a younger age. Uh, you were a big part of his transition and, um, you know, helping with his sobriety and all that. And, you know, having a guy like you around uh, can just help. So, you know, maybe share like that role that you have and, and what it means to you to be on this side of it now and, and helping younger kids. That must be like super fulfilling for you. Yeah, it it's great. I mean, it is like really fulfilling. I'm going to touch on what you said earlier on, on when we were coming into the league or coming into pro hockey. You know, the mentality was a lot different back then. I would say on both sides of, you know, the drinking culture was was pretty big when I broke into the minors. Um, obviously, moving up to the NHL changed a little bit, but not much. And you know, there was never really anybody to talk to. And and when I have a drinking problem, drug problem, or whatever, you know, the only two people I could talk to are a head coach and a GM, and those are the two last people on the fucking planet I'm going to go and talk to. You know, I've always been a bottom of the lineup guy or extra player in the NHL. And, you know, they, they, the mentality back then, they would probably just view you as a problem. We'll get rid of this guy and just bring another guy up to fill a spot. And you're always so worried about that. Meanwhile, on the other side, I'm, I'm dying away from the rink at home with, with substance abuse. And, um, you know, it took me a long time to figure that out. <laughs> And when I was 27 years old playing in Phoenix, I went on a five-day bender, turned off my phone, didn't leave my house, and just locked myself in my room. And that was kind of my rock bottom. Um, figured it out after that and called my agent, called the team, and said, I got to go away and get some help here. And I, I just left it open on, I don't know if I'm going to want to play when I'm done. I got a lot of work to do on myself. If I have the itch and the desire to play, then I'll take another crack at my NHL career, but I got to go away for a little bit here and, and figure my, my life out. And I did. And I came back and I missed about three and a half months. And I, my first practice back, I never felt so good. I got sent down to um, San Antonio at the time was Phoenix's farm team uh, on a conditioning stint. And after missing three and a half months, my first practice, I never, ever in a long time felt that good on the ice i was down for two weeks i got called back up to play the last 10 games um my first fight back was against jody shelley it was awesome and then my second fight was against george peros and i went to throw a punch and he blocked the punch and i completely blew my shoulder out um so i had to get reconstructive shoulder surgery it was kind of the first test of early sobriety on the fact that i, had, I just had a major setback about four or five months into sobriety. Now, how am I going to deal with that? Because I can't deal with it the way I used to deal with it. And the other thing was, the first thing they give me after my surgery was oxy oxys for the pain. Well, like, fuck, I'm taking those. So my mom was with me to help me out. And I just asked her to dump them down the toilet. And she did. And I took over-the-counter Tylenol for three weeks with the two new screws and new bones in my shoulder. And it was the most painful experience of my life. But um, moving on from that, you know, I was able to play in the league another five or six years and, and, and kind of develop a role. I never really thought I would 
ever see myself in. It just as the years got on, the more comfortable I got in my sobriety, the more comfortable I got speaking out about um, how players like me and, and players what we go through, we're no different than any other guys in the team. We, we might have some stuff like going on on our lives, but everybody does. And, you know, I've created a lot of really cool and neat friendships along the way. Like you mentioned, Jordan Tutu is one of my best friends. Um, getting to play with him in Nashville, I got picked up on waivers by the Preds and, and Toots was in early sobriety. I was only clean for like a year and it was, we just kind of leaned on each other through that year and created a really unique friendship. I became really good friends with Nate Thompson, over the last, you know, five or six years, and he's done a hell of a job on the teams he's been playing with, um, being a leader um, and also a leader and, and a face for guys in sobriety. You know, Robin Lehner's become a good friend of mine too. Um, so, you know, you're seeing player players year after year coming out and being open with their struggles and actually being such a positive influence, not only, one, not only guys that they play with, but also the fans that are watching. Um because we can help them too with our stories and moving into the role I'm on with the flames. Um, it's in the, it's under the player development umbrella, but I'm in player assistance. Like I'll do a little bit of the hockey stuff with amateur scouting and pro scouting when I'm out at junior games or pro games watching our guys. But I go from, you know, I'll go see our prospects our draft picks. I'll spend like a week with them, really get to know them, explain my role, my history, my playing career and, and, and really trying to create, uh, friendships and 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 uh, a unique bond with these kids at a young age and and then steer them in the right direction and the pro level it's a little different because you've got guys that have been around for six seven eight nine years that are vets and we got guys that are rookies and stuff and you know i'll have uh, i do like a speech be with each team at the beginning of the year and the flames and the stockton heat when when both teams start on my role why i'm around um and it's not when I talk to a player, it goes from me, from me to the trainer, to the GM, to the coach. No, no, everything stays really confidential. Um, and it's just being an outlet there for guys. It's a, it's a position I really wish I had when I was going, coming through and, and struggling with my off-ice stuff and in a position that a lot of players and even guys that you guys have played with wish a guy was around just to – you know, shoot the shit with, take the edge off. If I'm struggling, hey man, this is what I'm going through. Can you help me out? Can you relate to what I'm going through? Um, and I think just having that around our room has really uh, transformed our dressing room and rink into a safe place where players can come and not have to worry about um, all the other stuff. Just knowing that they're going to have a support network that's been created in our organization to, if they are struggling with whatever they're struggling with, that there's going to be people around to help you, and you don't have to worry about your jersey being taken or your lineup spot being taken because um, mental health and 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 stuff is it's a part of life. It's a part of everybody's life. Everybody has it in their family, um, and it's not taboo anymore. And um, you know, we just want to create the safest environment for our players, knowing that as good as your life can be away from the rink, the better you're going to perform when you come to play. And, um, you know, it's it's really kind of taken off with us. And, um, you know, I've created a lot of amazing relationships with players in all parts of our organization. Was it Brad? Uh, so we had Brad Trelevy. I was there in Phoenix, by the way, when you came back. Um, I remember. Oh yeah, the, you I, were. I remember I the. Yeah, I remember the fight with yeah. with Shelly. I remember you coming off holding your shoulder, like 
three or four games back. Um, so I, I know how tough you are first firsthand. Uh, Brad Treleving was our assistant GM at the time. Yeah. Uh, was he a big reason why he brought you in? Because Calgary, like just to say, like Calgary Flames going ahead and getting out front of this with, you know, with you and making you part of uh, their hockey ops is is something I think every NHL team should really look at and find a guy that fits a role that can really help players not only on the ice but uh, get, providing that safe zone. I think that's huge. But uh, yeah, I always love Brad Tree. I mean, can you can you touch on probably what he's yeah, been? Yeah, you know that's where the relationship started was in Phoenix. Um, Don Maloney was our, our GM. Brad was our assistant GM, and um, that's where the relationship started. Um, I think it was twelve or thirteen years ago now, and you know, kind of stayed in contact throughout the time. You know, I was in different organizations. I'd always bump into Brad at ranks when we we're playing with Phoenix, and then he took over the GM job here with my last year with the Flames. And, you know, playing-wise, it didn't really go the way I wanted to. You know, I was 34 years old. I got sent down halfway through the year, but whatever. You know, it happens to everybody. And, um, you know, I had a really good chat with him at the end of that season and said, you know, I, I, I'd like to – we had, like I said, a good chat about, you know, maybe a potential role. But I said, listen, I, I'm not done playing yet. I think I might have a year or two left in me. And I went and played the next year with Big Oves in San Diego and I finished my career off and – playing over in England, but still kept in contact with the Flames, kept in contact uh, with Brad. And uh, moving into that first summer off of retirement, uh, they asked me to come in and speak at their development camp to uh, the young players. So I put a presentation together for the team and um, just kind of left at that throughout the summer. And then at the and in both mid-August, um, Brian Burke called and said, uh, me and Brad would like to have you... Uh, have a meeting with you tomorrow if you're available i'm like yeah no problem and i i thought it would be you know maybe they'd like me to come and do a presentation for the main group at training camp and they offered me a position they explained what the position would be and they offered me a position in the player develop player development department under the player assistance role and what it would entail and if i'd be up for it if i'd be interested in doing it and i said yeah man bring me on i can do it and it just kind of started from there i'm in my fourth season now with the team Awesome, buddy. Yeah, bigger. Awesome. And I'm, buddy. I'm so proud of what you're doing, bud. I, I knew you had it in you, and and um, how great of a father you are, and a wife to cupcakes. I want I want to go back to to what you said when you made your comeback after you you went and got clean. And I know you didn't lose this, but were you ever worried about losing your edge? Because I know some guys. I'm, I'm not going to name names. Guys I played against, played with, that tried to get sober, and they just lost that that spark and meanness out there. Yeah. I know you never did. Were you ever concerned about that at all, bigger? Um, not. <sighs> There was always a question of would I be as crazy, and I always considered crazy with being a good fighter. Um, I felt after I got sober, I was hungry and I was better. Like I was a way better fighter when I was um, got clean and sober. I was hungrier. Um, I was more focused, more ready. Um, obviously, I was in better shape, better conditioning. Um, but at that second half of my career, like I went on a I think I didn't lose a fight for six or seven years. And the best part of losing that fight, I got buckled. There's no way other way to go down. <laughs> oh, fuck, buddy. I know. I, uh, but I'll tell you what. 
I got a great right. story. So we're I'm playing in Vancouver and we're going into the Saddle Dome and poor Darcy Hordachuk, eh? So we have a pretty tough team. We got Hordy, <laughs> myself, Glasser. So Biggern comes out with the fucking blonde mohawk and he is just <laughs> drooling over the red line. And I mean like just I'm, not even looking at a puck. I don't know if he I don't know if he threw one sauce past the whole fucking war, but he was just working the line. So we come in, we come in after warm up and Hordy comes over to me, he's like Hey, I think if we just let the big urn sleep tonight, he's not going to do anything. I'm like, did you see the guy out there? He's fucking jeweled over the red line. First shift, fucking McGrath. So I knew I knew you never lost your edge on that point. But that was the one story I always love telling about the big urn. I'm That's like, Cordy, you're not getting out of this fucking bar without fighting. Like, you should fight him first shift because I'm not fucking fighting. So. We should just let him sleep tonight. Big boy, you see that guy? He's drooling over the red line. <laughs> he ain't sleeping, but he's sleeping he after the game. Sleeping. He ain't sleeping. So, uh, Bigger, that was always one of the stories about playing against you that I loved. But, uh, Broadway, what do you got? Uh, Bigger, now that you're involved with Calgary a lot, and there's a lot of uh, heat with the Battle of Alberta. Can we give us some insider info on, do you think there'll be some fireworks this year? And what do you think of this uh, Matthew Chucks game? Yeah, you know, he's obviously, I would say, the best pest in the league. Obviously, he's a very, very good player. Um, but he does have that, that edge to him, the the edge that usually drives everybody on the other team insane. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it's nice to have that rivalry back. I mean, they had that big brawl last year, the Cassian to Chuck thing. And, and you know, you got two very good teams out here now that, that's had some extra spark to that rivalry. Uh, obviously a little different this year with no fans in the building. I think, you know, the other night it was, it was a back and forth game. It, it was chippy. There was a lot of goals. Like that place had been rocking, but there was nobody there. So I think the atmosphere part of that side of that rivalry is obviously not going to be there this year, but it's definitely sparked. Um, you know, he's be some sparks with the Leafs probably with Muzzin shooting that puck at him the other last yep. week. So, I mean, he uh, definitely can. Um, and I think having a guy like that, you know, I, I think Sean Avery is the best of all time in that role. Um, you know, and he's another guy that, that could play the game really well. But obviously, like, those guys can take, hot, like, top-end players right out of the game. Yeah, just yeah, by yeah. little things they do like that, jabbing the guy in the back of the legs or giving a little tap in the back of the nuts after the whistle or <laughs> cross-checking the back, face wash, you know, the, the late hits, the hip chat, you know, all that stuff and the, the chirping and, 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 you know, guys that are really good at that, um, they can take very, very good players on the other team right out of the game because that's all they're worried about is this guy. And, and he's, I would say he's a lead at it and probably the best in the league at it for now yeah bigger and i'm i'm gonna fucking turn the clocks back again here it was seven years ago <laughs> so we had that fucking gong show at fucking vancouver so our listeners were asking me to describe it so and the first thing i said was i came in for morning skate and i had been out i've been out late in vancouver because you know i was playing about five minutes then so i went out a little late and i came in and the look on your face was like santa claus just came down the fucking chimney and i'm like big boy what's going what's going on and you're like it's on today big boy so just for our listeners walk us through it from your perspective because you were the yeah. main reason it went down yeah well we got called in and um you know i think we were on a seven or eight game losing streak you know, we're finishing off. We did the California trip. We lost a couple games at home, did the California trip, got rinsed, and we're uh, hitting Vancouver on the way back at our last game of the trip. And we got called in um, to the office. And Bob, our, our line had a goal and assist in 
San Jose the game before, and we only played five or six minutes. And Bob said, listen, nobody else on that in that room deserves to start the game tonight. Um, you guys had a good game, and you have not started the game all season. I'm going to start you tonight in Vancouver. And he left it at that. We left the room, and I just pulled everybody together. I said, fuck it. Let's just fight them. <laughs> who, care? like, who cares if we lose another game? We're not making the playoffs. Let's just fight them. We hate these guys probably more than any other team in the league. And if they dress their fourth line, let's fight them. And Torts got all fucking out of whack on if he would address the Sedins. I, I have never in my career yeah. jumped a fucking – those guy. guys are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I've never – fought yeah. or jumped a player like that if they would address that line legit i would have dumped the puck in and waited till the next shift to fight <laughs> the, was, the plan was the plan to fight the fourth line not the sedines and torts got all out of whack about, all out of whack but anyways they dressed the fourth line and i was like game on baby and and the and the, the ref didn't know what to do because i was about 20 feet away from the sestito with my gloves on my fingertips. Yeah, oh yeah. Kevin was holding his stick like a golf club, trying to take. He's never taken a draw in his life. He's holding his stick like a golf club. The ref didn't know what to do. BS is coming in and out. The deer were getting ready to fight each other and all that stuff. Anyways, the the puck drops. We fight, and they're all pretty good fights. And uh, we get to the box, and they're like, you know, Jones, Butler. Uh, Westgarth and the other yeah. D-man you guys are out of the game I got oh, yeah. to stay in the game because tech, my, my gloves hit the ice first so technically I was the first fight everybody else was a secondary fight so they got booted I planned the whole thing and got to stay in the game and um, anyways period ends I'm right behind the big old big obes is first in the room then the coaches and then I'm walking and and into the room and Torts isn't a big guy. And I feel this little nudge by my elbow. I look down, it's Torts. <laughs> He's like, fuck you, Bob. I'm gonna fucking kill you, motherfucker. I'm gonna fucking <laughs> so I just stiff armed him right out into the wall and like the, the glove dryers. Right over the glove dryer. And, and I got Torts kind of pinned against everything and all the other code you couldn't see their coaches are down the hallway. And I and I was gonna drop my glove and, and Drop towards, <laughs> but in, I was saying that in my head, and the other thing I was saying, I'm like, there has to be a camera somewhere. Yeah. So I was like looking down the hallway and like looking at the door, looking down the hallway. I had no idea that camera was on the roof. You did? Like I had no clue. Oh. So, anyways, I I was saying, my head, should I hit him? Should I not? Should I hit him? And I'm like, man, if I drop a coach right now, like it's. <laughs> <laughs> might buy you another I, five I, years in the league so I, i'm glad it ended the way it did but nobody knew that camera was on the roof and the only reason the camera was on the roof because it was hockey night in canada that's the yeah. only reason they put the the only games they put that camera there getting guys coming in and out of the dressing room <laughs> yeah so i i mean um it in hindsight great. yeah I'm, I'm i'm glad it ended the way it did um yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm bigger, and I'm not glad. I wish you would have let fucking. I wish you would have let Torch. We could have just watched him too, I should have let him in the room too. Is, is looking back, go and get that guy, please. Just yeah, I know. It. At that point, at that point, at that point, bigger and didn't quite know. Hartley wasn't quite a complete fucking dick to bigger and yet, which he did later in his career. But the thing I remember the best about Earn was. He comes in, he goes, big boy, I started that whole fucking thing. I'm still out here playing, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> I 
like started I the started whole the thing, whole fucking thing. And the fucked up thing is everybody gets kicked out of the game and I'm still getting a shift, a one shift every eight shifts. Oh, and we got fuck. fucking less than half a bench. I was like, come but, on, man. But I know. I go the other way. I go from fucking staying out fucking past curfew in Vancouver to thinking I'm playing four minutes to I play like 24. I'm out there just fucking dying. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think TJ Brody almost had the record um, for oh, ice yeah. time that night. I think he missed it. By a, like I think he played like thirty eight or thirty nine minutes. Wow. Oh yeah, they still did, they still wow. didn't want to put me on the ice bigger, but they didn't have a fucking <laughs> no, me choice. Me and you were still parked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, bigger. I mean, I loved playing with you and this kid that you know way more than I do now, Sean Monahan. I loved Monty when he was a rookie with us. I remember like after two or three months in the season, we finally had to go to him and be like, hey, Monty, like you can talk a little more than you're talking, buddy. Like we know you're, you've proved that you're a good rookie, but oh, yeah. just, just the best part, it. Monty always brings it up because me and Obes are always really picky on, on what designer suit you would wear. <laughs> and, you know, you get the guys coming right out of junior or whatever and crack open his suit pocket. It says like a Morse <laughs> or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. So Tip -top we, we get on the, and we're starting like a, our first long road trip of the year. And uh, we get on the, on the plane and we're going back to sit by the card table. I grabbed a handful of blueberries and I just, Hey Monty, what's up? He turned around. I just smeared them all over his white shirt. I'm like, go get a better shirt when we get to fucking LA. But. <laughs> How about the time you punched, we were playing poker and you punched your hole right through the fucking top of the building. Oh, <laughs> oh, so we're playing poker in the back and like when I would go on losing streaks, they'd be, epic losing streaks and you know i'm losing the whole trip whatever lose a big hand and i'm like fuck and i punch because guys that always like yeah. kind of hit the table or the the window a little bit and i was like fuck i put my hand right through like the the fucking overhead the storage you put it right through the, the whole fucking the, ox the, the oxygen mask, mask coming down. down yeah yeah so and then three oxygen masks pop down right <laughs> I didn't know that those panels on those planes are like 20 grand <laughs> because they're all fire tested and all that stuff. Like the, the plastic that they use is like the highest set. I had no idea. So I'm shitting myself. <laughs> Fuck right? trying to, we're trying dying. to get a story together in the, and the, the stewardess come by and she's like, Oh my God, what happened? I'm like, listen, I just won a huge hand. I got up to celebrate and I put my head through the thing. It's like, no way, no way. All the oxygen masks are dangling. Anyways, I didn't end up having to pay for it, but I was like shit my pants the rest of that trip. I'm like, that's my luck. I go from losing like a, you know, a $1,500 hand to costing me over 20 grand for this this plane panel. <laughs> I, I got to touch. I, I, I want to say this that same year. I don't know. Actually. So the year I played with you, we had Todd for the work. We had Fridgey on our, on our plane and he, he would go on some streaks too, or he'd fucking just be the shittiest poker player. He lost, <laughs> he lost this bad he lost a bad beat and he fucking, I wish he punched the roof. He punches the window and the fucking thing cracks like right, <laughs> right down Broadway. I'm looking at this window, just ready to just get sucked out of the fucking airplane. We're we're 42,000 fucking feet up in the air, and he cracked the window in half. Now there's like two different planes to it, so thank God it didn't go through the, oh, through the yeah. whole thing. That was that was always my move was to punch yeah, the punch the, the, the roof. Yeah, yeah, smart. Don't hit the window. Fuck. Bigger. And I gotta tell the story here. We're 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 back down the junkie junkie in San Diego, and it's me and you at the back of the bus, right? So bigger, bigger, <laughs> big, big, bigger. Bigger had the seat that was 
was right beside the pisser. So he put his feet on top of my headrest and I would sleep the other way. So at the start of the fucking road trip, and, and everyone's obviously know who's bigger and bigger. It's like, any of you boys up there got a piss? You fucking piss right now, right? So about 10, about 10 games in, 12 games in, Dally comes to me. He's like, hey, you got to tell Bigger to tell them that they're joking around because these guys are not taking pisses on the bus. They're going to fucking piss their pants. Yeah, like he had like a lineup of like three or four guys like just kind of on the tiptoes like this because they had to pee so bad. But like, man, there's nothing worse like when you're trying to shut her down. Oh, fuck. Got guys are tapping your legs to move your feet. I just kind of got old by the like you know a month, two months in the season. I get on the bus or that boys get your fucking pisses in now because the bathroom's <laughs> closed for the next six hours. <laughs> I love it too. Big Earn would just go, boys, like every every 30, 45 minutes, he'd be like, Big Obes, we there yet? <laughs> I'm like, no, eight more hours, big boy. Because <laughs> we there yet? But um, it was you made it more enjoyable, bigger. I think having you down there and like Bix too, a veteran guy I mean, a lot more because yeah. fuck it was it was tough some days traveling down there yeah and it was and we lucked out arguably i would say that would be a top five nhl city um yeah. lucked out in the best american league city in the history of the american league yeah uh, it was amazing playing there but it just got kind of monotonous with that california you just play the same teams all the time and i think they fly now yeah, uh, they, they fly now, but you know, you jump on the bus in San Diego and you got to bus up to San Jose and Stockton, and that you know, there's about a four hour stretch of that highway where that traffic doesn't move all day. And, yeah, so the bus trips were, were long, but it was a super, it was a wicked year playing there. Like, oh man, I'm glad I got an opportunity to play there because that city's amazing. Uh, yeah, you know, and the fan base was sick too. Um, Fuck, it was Friday nights were $2 beer nights there. Remember how fucking pinned everyone would get in that bar? <laughs> oh, we just, yeah. Bix would go out there and get in a fight. you do your thing. It was just like, I'm like, this is fucking slap shot fucking three right here right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Broadway, what do you got for the big earn? Um, we, we touched on it a little bit with uh, Daniel Carcillo, and this goes back to like the fighting with like the stage fighting and how some guys would have the anxiety. You said you were obviously very relaxed, but did you ever experience that throughout your career, knowing you're going into a game and you're gonna have to fight the other team's toughest guy? Uh, yeah, and I would say you- earlier when I was younger, um, for sure, um, definitely in the minors, um, having to fight guys that are very skilled at that craft that are 27 28 29 years old you know um and then getting into the nhl too my rookie year because you know i'm fighting guys that were kind of like my heroes like i love ty domi ty domi is arguably him and wendell clark like i would grow up a leaf fan and him and wendell clark like my two favorite leafs ever and uh like i loved ty domi growing up he was loved him and then i fought him and i beat him in toronto and that kind of solidified my status on my team where I got the letter in my little cubby hole in my mail slot the next day to get my own place after that fight. Um, I, fought him in, I fought him in Toronto. But even when I beat Ty, I didn't really say anything after. I was super humble about it. Um, obviously, you fight. I would say he's a legend in that category, in the, in the heavyweight category. And even when I beat Ty, I was super humble about it because I knew that I would have to fight him again or or, or the the tape was out on me that, you know, there's this big young kid in Ottawa that all the other guys in the league are going to want to fight me now. And um, so throughout the, that season, obviously a little bit of anxiety, getting ready to play games and, and fight these 
longtime NHL enforcers. But once I got more comfortable as the years went on, it, it became I I just was more relaxed, more focused. I you know did a lot of breathing training, um, some martial arts, some boxing stuff um, to really help me out and you know the confidence has kept growing year after year, but yeah, I have felt that. And I really feel guys that had to, to feel that anxiety and all that stuff going into that role, because I know how hard it is. And then anybody that's ever done that role, I don't care if you've won a hundred fights or have never won a fight in your life. If you have the balls to step up and do that role, you have the utmost respect for me and probably anybody else has ever done that role because we know how hard it can be on guys mentally like there's guys and they've been very open about it that that would not sleep for two or three nights before a game because they knew they would have to fight a Derek Bugard they would have to fight me they would have to fight Ty Domi or Derek Cairns or George LaRock or Donald Bashir. like and it would really really weigh on guys and I think that's where you see you know a lot of the substance abuse stuff come in to help medicate the pain medicate the anxiety and all that stuff so you know the role definitely has its negative negative side to it for sure another great big earned quote in vancouver i don't think it was the night of the brawl but he goes after we have pregame meal together he goes hey big obes Who's going to have a better pregame nap today, me or big Tom C.S. still? I'm going to say your head's going to hit the pillow a little bit better than old <laughs> I'd always big say that, like, you know, that, I think that was, you know, being a little bit, ah, I was just joking. You were just team. joking was, with the boys. It was just funny. That's the I would ever get would be in the room and whatever guy was coming into town that, that yeah, game yeah. or that whatever, I would just say in the pregame, hey, Boys, who's gonna have a better pregame nap, Big Earn or Big Thompson Steedle? <laughs> oh fucker! You weren't being cocky; you were just having fun with the boys. But it was—it's true. Even in, I was never at your level, but when I was a rookie, my pregame naps being like, "Holy fuck!" It's you know, it's just I really have to do this tonight. So, Big Earn, we could do this all day with you, buddy. Uh, we're all—I'm so proud of you. Everyone's proud of what you're doing now. Um, I miss the high steps with the white skates, buddy. I miss. Oh, I still got proud. it going on the outdoor rinks, big boy. I've been trying to show Gabe. We've been high stepping. We've got our outdoor rink around the corner. I've been showing him. <laughs> That's good because you have the best high steps in the game. I always said that. Those wet jets were. Um, so thank you very much. Say hi to Cupcakes and the Gabe Man for us, Big Earn. You're a legend, buddy, and uh, we love you here at Mr. Curfew. All right, boys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Gratz. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Up Dog Broadway, the Big Earn. You were saying I was laughing the whole fucking show because I love that guy, man. He would make coming to the rink fun. Uh, and you guys had some great questions about what he was doing now. For me, it was more just a trip down memory lane. <laughs> I miss being in the locker room <laughs> with mean... him. But great questions by you, Uppy, and, and just your thoughts on him. What I see, what what I see with Big Earn, and you, you know, we're all ex players, right? We've retired now for a couple of years, five years, whatever. Um, the transition into finding something, you know, that's your that's your passion or path, um, isn't always easy, and that's why I brought up what 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 I did with Big Earn was because it wasn't a year, you know, outside of his his retirement where you know, things could have got long and he has, you know, you have kids and a family and you always wonder what to do. Mm -hmm. He was given an opportunity and, you know, when he said he had the presentation for the young kids at camp in the summer um, and then Brian Burke called him in to offer him a job. Like that that story gives, you know, other guys hope around the league when they retire. You know, you're given an opportunity to speak to some kids, put a little effort into it, open up, tell a story, and you just don't know what kind of opportunities might fall, fall in your lap. So, uh, one of the toughest guys I've got to play with, watching them fight. I mean, Hayes, Hazy, you just brought up, and I'll let you tell the story too. But, you know, 
other teams I played on. I was on the other team that, you know, had the guys w worried about going in and fighting Gratz. Yeah. And that was like, I'm just like, thank fuck it ain't me. Yeah, I know. It's um, fucking scary. But uh, Jimmy, what do you think, man? Because he was a great, he's going to be an incredible uh, interview. I know our fans are going to love yeah. that. But what did you think, Jimmy? Yeah, it was great to see the the influence he has on these young guys. And he has a cool story to tell all these guys. But Uppy, as you mentioned, I got to experience firsthand how tough this guy was because I played with some tough guys but I remember the time we were playing in Florida him and Chris Barch went toe-to-toe -to -toe center ice and those two those two guys punched each other in the helmet I've never heard anything hit plastic that hard I was cringing <laughs> sitting on the ice so kudos to those two guys are going out all the time and being able to do it for that long <laughs> yeah that Barch was a fucking tough guy too but yeah big earn thank you very much um you know just a good dude I mean, to do what he did for as long as he did, I mean, 550 minutes in the fucking American League. I mean, one year oh I think God. I had 300, and it felt like I had like 20 fights. I couldn't hold the fork, and I wasn't fighting the guys he was. So um, for guys that don't know him, he was a great teammate, man, good sense of humor. Um, you know, and Aaron helped me near the end of my career too, right, because I was dealing with some stuff, and I, I lost the love of the game. And, um, you know, in San Diego, he made it more fun for me. So to the big Earn, you're a legend. And, boys, um, always fun with you guys, Broadway. Up dog, we got our in-studio guest next week. We won't exactly tell who it is just yet, but we're gonna have our first in-studio guest here at Hall Pass Media. So, yeah. um, always a pleasure with you boys. Uppy, welcome home. Broadway, stay warm over there on the East Coast, my friend. And uh, that's another that's another episode of Mr. Curfew. Mahala. <laughs>